Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. As we think of movies, there's movies that are so iconic that we sort of know uh, about them. We know sort of uh, maybe even lines from them. Uh, there's Jerry Maguire, most famous line. You had me at hello. hello yeah. Okay. Uh, Arnold, I'll be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then now this is one you may have not seen this one uh, with. Yeah. You can't handle. Yeah, and then, okay, and here's one uh, from TV that was a little more, uh, uh, winter is, yeah, I just want to see how many of you watch naughty TV shows. So the, uh, uh, now I know what kind of people I'm talking to, and hopefully you fast forward like a good Christian should. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but we, <laughs> uh, just a little social commentary there. Uh, but uh, seriously, there's, there's something that happens when, there's an emotion, there's a reality that we have, and uh, we find a connection point. And as we, we study the Psalms, uh, we're, we're going to look at that, uh, especially as when it comes to this feeling overwhelmed. Uh, we've all felt that, uh, any of you have uh, preschool uh, age children? Any yet moms? You know what it's like, you're overwhelmed every day, Right? Uh, we know what it's like to, if you're a boss, you have employees, you know what it's like to be overwhelmed. Uh, really, it, we can think of these situations that we face in life. In fact, there's a lot of research uh, on this. The Mayo Clinic claims that uh, 80% of their caseload is really uh, a byproduct of anxiety. The Center for Disease Control said of all the deaths that happened before age 65, that uh, 50% are related to stress in some way. Uh, according to the American Institute of Stress, which sounds like a fun place to work, 43% uh, <laughs> of Americans suffer from stress-related health problems. Well, before we look at the scripture and really find God's direction in this, I want to consider how do we get to overwhelm? Uh, one of the ways we get to overwhelm is a sudden crisis. Have you ever had this where life is, is going along uh, pretty well? In fact, you're at one of those moments uh, where everything seems to be in alignment, and yet one thing can uh, really upset everything. Uh, maybe it's a, a health problem. Uh, you, you get a diagnosis, cancer, and all, everything that seemed to be going right now, you feel overwhelmed because of what happened. It could be uh, a challenge in your marriage or a marriage that ended. It could be a uh, legal problem. We get all these uh, as, as we go through our prayer requests every week, that a sudden crisis will come up. Uh, but I, I would say one of the major reasons is uh, internal struggles. And I often think uh, we, we misunderstand internal struggles. In fact, uh, burnout, we, we, this is popular. Everyone always talks about burnout, right? Uh, the problem is when we talk about burnout, 
we, we usually attribute factors that really aren't, according to uh, medical science, the cause of burnout. And, and in fact, burnout, uh, that term was coined uh, in the 1970s by Dr. Herbert Freidenberger, and he, he described it like this, as a house where you would see where there had been a fire. And you, have you ever, if you've ever seen this, where the, uh, the superstructure is still there. It, it looks on the outside, you can tell there's some damage, uh, but it really looks like a, a house. But if you were going to go inside, that it's completely devastated. And Dr. Freudenberger said, that's how it is that people will, will wander through life, will go through life. Everything seems to be okay. In fact, it's, unless you look closely, it's hard to tell. But on the inside, there's this uh, burnout. There's this emptiness. And he describes three factors as there can be exhaustion, that's, that's one. That's honestly not usually the primary cause, but it, that's, there's some level of exhaustion there. Uh, cynicism, and it leads to sort of an uh, ineffectiveness, a, a, a sense of where we're no longer producing what we want to produce in our life. The great author C.S. Lewis uh, said this, he said, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain. But it's more common and more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain actually increases burden. It is easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. And there's a, a, a theologian from the Middle Ages, St. John of the Cross. Uh, he, he talked about this dark night of the soul. And uh, we get that imagery of, of what that's like to feel uh, feel like that spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Uh, but the interesting thing, when he talks about that, he actually talks about it in a hopeful way. Because he, he said, when you, when you experience this dark night of the soul, that you're actually positioned in a way, and really almost have to be positioned like that, where there's a new revelation for your life and for what God would have for you. And so what I would say is if, if you're here and, it, you know, not just a typical, you know, graduation party stress and all of that end of the year school, but if you're feeling really overwhelmed, if you're, if you're like that, that maybe God has positioned you at this point because there, there's something incredible on the other side that the ancient theologians, they would, they would see these moments as, as molten moments in a sense where, where God is forming us into something new. Often what this comes from, uh, though, when it comes to this overwhelmed, is bad theology. When it, when it, whether you're a Christian or not, it, you, we all have a belief system about God. It can be an accurate or an inaccurate belief system. See, the framework of thinking, and I think we find this even among Christians, definitely among people who would say, I'm not a Christian, but I'm sort of a God person. And here's the common theology is that God doesn't allow for tragedy, stress, or difficulty. Now, that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says it, Old Testament, New Testament, dozens and dozens of times. So the Scripture is clear that this is part of life. But we create a non-biblical theology, and we get mad at God because He doesn't deliver on a promise He never made. Instead, we see with King David when he, when in Psalm 23, most famous, one of the most famous poems in global history, 
where he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with me. And there's this sense of confidence in that season of stress and difficulty and anxiety. We ask during these times, where's God? Uh, How could God? Why would God? These aren't bad questions, but they don't lead us necessarily to where we want to be. The question we need to be asking is really, is who is God and what could he be doing in this moment? And then number four, broken relationships. Uh, there's the old saying, if, you know, if you're married, if mama isn't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> and that's just one of those old sayings that's 100% true. Uh, and so they're, 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 when, when things are bad, you know, a, a, a good day at work and a bad day at home is a bad day. And so when we have these broken relationships, we can feel overwhelmed. And, and I'll talk to people all the time and say, you know, actually, you know, I'm at a point in my life where my career is actually going well. I have more money than I thought I would have at this point. We're sort of set for retirement. You know, their career, everything's going well. Yet the relational trajectory sort of sinks everything. And, and so now some of you are thoroughly depressed at this point, Right. You're like, it's a sunny day in Seattle, and I came to church, and I get this. Uh, well, here's, here's why we're looking at this. Because there's going to be a season that I know some of you are in, and some of you will, will, go, will be coming into. And you're going to have to make a choice of who you're going to be in that, how you're going to present through that. There, there's in, interesting books. I've done a lot of research over the years on this. One was uh, by Dr. Friedman. Another, by the way, I come from a Jewish background. Uh, many of these people who do this research are good Jews because we're good at being depressed. Anyway, uh, so uh, Dr. Friedman from UC Riverside, yeah, he, he, he actually wrote a book called The Self-Healing Personality. And, and, and in that, he looks at people who go through similar situations but have radically different outcomes. And he's actually looking not psychologically, actually medically. And he said there's something about a mindset going into it. And so I want you to have a mindset that's a mindset where you're going to say, hey, not only am I going to get through it, I'm going to be better on the other side of it. Uh, we, we see in the Psalms, it deals with uh, these kind of uh, issues and the Psalms, if, if you're not a Bible person, if you, go, if you had a physical Bible, which I know many of us look on our phones now, is our, use our Timberlake app, uh, in the middle of that in the Bible is the book of Psalms. It's the longest book of the 66 books of the Bible. If you turn in the middle, there's about 100, there's, well, there isn't about, there's 150 uh, Psalms, and it's a, a, the song book of the Bible. It's a devotional theology. It's not necessarily describing life as, as, as it should be, but it's reflecting on life as it is. Seventy of these psalms are written by King David, including the one that we're going to look at uh, today. And uh, you get to see people process uh, life. Uh, by the way, they're not instructions necessarily what to do tomorrow at work. So when it says in the Psalms, Lord, bash in the head of my enemies, that's not permission. I just want to let you know that. Uh, it's, it's describing how someone feels in that moment. 
Now, there, there are psalms that are prophetic that do describe what will happen next. Some are, are prescriptive. They tell you what to do. And some are descriptive. In fact, many of them describing the way things are. But the largest category of psalms is actually what, what are known as psalms of lament. People are, are facing a difficulty and they're reflecting uh, spiritually and biblically on how to deal with that difficulty. And, and, and this is where, and trust me, I've been there, but I just want to say this. You're not going to necessarily be better on the other side of your difficulty unless you reflect biblically and spiritually. It's just, you know, some people will say, you know, uh, wisdom comes with age. Not true. There are old wise people and old fools, right? Uh, and you laugh because you know some of them. And so, uh, or are some. No, the, uh, and there's young people who are wise. So, so age doesn't necessarily, time doesn't necessarily produce wisdom. Biblical and heart reflection produce wisdom. Well, we see these sort of psalms of lament, Psalm 69.2. We read, I've come into the deep waters, uh, the floods engulf me. There's sort of that feeling of emotional flooding. Uh, And then uh, it says in Psalm 10.1, why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? We've we've felt like that where, where is God? Maybe God is absent. And then in Psalm 3-7, this is when I, this, I find this funny for some reason, slap my enemies in the face. <laughs> and uh, that, so these, these are all part of this category of people reflecting biblically and theologically uh, on that. And one, one of these is Psalm 55, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time today, uh, where uh, King David, this is written by Uh, King David, he's at one of these points. He feels overwhelmed. And we find in this psalm, not only the questions, but some of the answers. David says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying. So by the way, if someone is talking smack about you, you're not the first one. Uh, because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring, but, but there was no Instagram and Twitter and Facebook back then, so they had to just say to a few people, now what we can say to the whole world. So, uh, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I ha- said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove I would fly far away and be at rest. Who hasn't felt like that? You know, if I could just get a different, if I could just, you know, and I've talked to people, man, if I could just get a different job. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes you have coworkers or a boss that's unreasonable. But if you've had three different jobs and you feel that way, then, you know, three different marriages sometimes and we feel that way. And we bring ourselves with us. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. And so in the midst of that, David, he does a little uh, reflection and he's saying, God, what, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? And how can I get past overwhelmed? And I want to spend the rest of our time looking at that uh, as we find in Psalm 55. The first one is pretty simple. 
but it, we often don't do it, and that's assess the real cause. Uh, for David, his problems were people problems. Uh, we've all had people problems. It says in Psalm 55, 2 through 3, it says, My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. You know, it's hard when you're in a situation where it's unjust and you feel like uh, you don't deserve what you're getting. You know what's even harder for me? See, for me, if, if I've done something wrong and something bad happens, I honestly, I don't get too overwhelmed. I figure, okay, these are consequences or, uh, 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 of actions. So when, when, when it, but when someone's saying something I didn't deserve, ugh. But what about when it is your own actions? What would you, or what can we do in that, in that case? See, the real question is when we're overwhelmed. Some of us feel like, well, I guess I, I deserve it. And the truth is there's consequences to sin, but there's also God's grace in the middle of that. For, for, may, maybe you've, you are on the other end, you're overwhelmed and a marriage ended and it was because of something you said and an infidelity. And so the real question is, does God still have a plan for me on the other side of this? By the way, this is where Christianity, if you're a student of uh, religion, you know, there's about uh, 2.1, and it doesn't say how faithful, about 2.1 billion Christians in the world, about a billion people follow Islam, about 360 million Buddhism, and, and, and other religions, and many Hindu, Hindus as well. How they deal with this issue is radically different. It's not the same. It's not even similar. One says, I go through maybe the karmic cycle, uh, and, and then I somehow become, uh, I've paid enough penance for this, and I'm going to be better. Or maybe it's just, there's no hope for me. In Christianity, it says that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that God's, God's very plan acknowledges us getting overwhelmed, us having problems because of our own sin, because of our own failure. And he says, that's not the end of the story. There's so many uh, uh, teachings in the Bible. There's the woman who was brought uh, to Jesus, caught in the act of adultery. By the way, I don't know where the man was. They didn't bring him. But, uh, they, and they were going to stone her to death. And he says, he who is without sin casts the first stone. And it says, and they went away, the older ones first, because you're worse sinners. <laughs> and uh, just keeping it real in the words of the great theologian Jerry Springer. So, uh, uh, so and then the younger ones. See, the truth is God acknowledges it. That's honestly why, and, and, and I wasn't raised in, in, from a Christian background. This honestly, even when I've had challenges and looked through my faith, and I've looked at other faiths and worldviews, one, I do not have enough faith to be an atheist. That, that's one religion I could not follow. Uh, we talked about that in our series, Skeptic, where we looked at science and faith and all of that. But truly, it is how do you deal with the reality of pain and sin and being overwhelmed? Scripture has, has a real plan for that. God has a real plan for that if we will step into it.
I think for many of us, we don't. And we keep ourselves from the grace that God has for us. And, and maybe for you, you say, hey, I'm fully, I, I'm fully in that grace. My question is, are you showing that to others as well? Number two, don't DIY major issues. See, here, here's what we are. We, we, like to, uh, we like to be in control, right? You know, you've heard of the whole knock-knock joke. Knock-knock, who's there? Control freak. You say control freak who? You know, that kind of thing. And uh, my, we, we all like to be in control. We don't, like to, we, we don't want to admit we need other people. It starts when we're young. My youngest daughter, when she... Uh, uh, my, I have two girls, didn't have boys, and so uh, uh, my life, I d- didn't have any younger siblings either, so I learned how to play with Barbies and all of that. We had lots of Barbies, and I would play uh, with uh, Barbies all the time, and sometimes I'd invite my daughter to join me, and so we would do this, and uh, uh, so uh, as we were playing, my youngest daughter would always say, uh, uh, okay, your Barbie, she needs to say this. And then I'd say that. And she goes, no, you didn't say it right. Move her over there. And then, no, oh, no, move it over there. And then, no, move it over there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a reflection of me in the flesh. And so, uh, so finally, I took my Barbies and played in the other room. So, but the, uh, uh, but we, we started at a young age, and we have this myth of control that we don't need anyone else. And we carried on. I was, so my... Uh, my daughter's car needed the battery change. It's sort of an, uh, an older car with a battery that's hard to change. I found out later that you had to actually remove all the casings around it. Uh, but at the time when I went into uh, the auto repair place, they said it would be like $25 to change a battery. And I'm like, why would I waste $25? So I'm in front of my house for a couple hours trying to change this battery. No, this is not a joke. This is actually like not hyperbole. And finally, across the street, a family from the church lives. Uh, The husband wasn't home yet. The wife comes over and she looks at me and she says, do you need any help? And, uh, and then, which, okay, fine. And then they, they have like two young kids and little, I don't know, your youngest kid's like four looks up at me and, uh, you know, and I can handle, I can handle criticism. Uh, I can handle confrontation. I can handle questions. What I cannot handle is a look of pity. And so, uh, so there was this incredible look of pity at me. And so finally, uh, you know, we, we were, uh, husband came home, we worked on it for a couple hours, uh, and uh, we were able to change the battery, and uh, it was not worth saving $25. So, <laughs> but, but, but I, here, here is sort of funny, it's just a stupid little thing, right? Uh, I, to be honest with you, my tendency was to, to try to hide the problem I was having uh, would be like, oh, oh, no, I got this. Don't worry about it. And I know you have that tendency too. In fact, and this, again, if you've gone through difficulty, you've gone through struggle, divorce, please do not read this as judgment. I'm just talking to, to you who are in it right now. But I know some of you, honestly, if you were going to look logically, you're choosing divorce over getting help. Now you say, oh, Ben, how can you say, well, and there's reasons, and trust me, if you've been divorced, I know there's reasons. But what I'm saying is, are you willing to get help? Oh, it wouldn't work anyway. How do you know? Do you have a PhD in psychology if you've counseled people for 40 years? Unless you've done that, you literally don't know. 
So what I would ask you to do is to, what the Bible says, humble yourself and say, I need help. One of the most powerful, powerful places we can be is where we say, I need help. I came to, uh, and, and this happened here. Uh, you know, it's sort of funny when people get this, you know, sort of burnout, overwhelmed thing. I usually have not been the right person to talk to. Because my, my attitude towards life is power through it. You know, don't be a wimp. I know that pastor shouldn't think that way, but that's the way I think. A few years ago, a couple things happened, something in my family, and it's just like sort of this cycle. And for the first time in my life, uh, and, and, I, and I, you know, I faced a couple challenges along the way, felt overwhelmed. And I, I'm like, okay, what do I do now? See, I know what the Bible says, but I always thought that was, you know, for you people, not for me. <laughs> but Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your cares on him. And for me, that, that involves some steps. That leads number three, resist inertia. I had to take some steps. I had to stop doing the same things I was doing. What I'd realized is that some of my best friends had moved away from the area. And uh, not, not bad. Some of them on staff, senior pastors now have large churches. The kind of things we celebrate. In fact, our church, honestly... And it's not a comparison game, but there are very few churches in the state or in this Pacific Northwest who have sent out as many effective leaders as we have. It's, it's awesome, except it's also hard. And so I found out I had to start reconnecting with people again. And uh, I had been, I'd gotten out of a growth group. I told everyone else to be in growth groups because I know you needed it, but... I realized, hey, I need to get together with some people. And all, you know, the hard part was, is I knew what to do, but I had walked in too much pride to do. And so I said, okay, God, I'm going to take these steps again. God started to do a work. And honestly, I was talking with a friend of mine, is, is in many ways I'm probably in a better place than I've ever been in my entire life. Because like St. John of the Cross said, on the, other night, on the other side of the dark night of your soul is revelation and really a new mode forward. Psalm 55, 23, but as for me, I will trust in you. So what, what does this come down to? The final thought is feeling overwhelmed is an opportunity to recalibrate life and faith. I want to turn this over to our other campuses uh, and our campus pastors at this time as we close out our service. What we're going to do here is we're going to end our time uh, worshiping together, reminding ourselves that yeah, God has a plan and yeah, it's getting involved and doing ministry and connecting with other people and getting deep in scripture. But ultimately, it's opening our hearts once again 
to him. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting timberlakechurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.